How are you doing? Welcome to Monday's programme. It is December 6th, 2021. Your BBG with you between now and seven. Have you had a nice weekend? Are you relaxed, refreshed, reinvigorated, rejuvenated? You're not. If you're in Spain, happy Constitution Day. I remember that one. From my time in Spain, happy El Dia del Constitución or something like that. Anyway. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host... Richie Allen. Well, Matt Landman will join the programme a little bit later this hour in about 30 minutes' time. Love Matt, frankenskies.com. He was in touch with me over the weekend to say, Richie, have you seen a study that was just published in the Journal of Clinical and Translational Research? I have seen it, says Matt. Says I. Says I to Matt. And I'm trying to get one of these studies' authors on the programme. The study is entitled Evidence for a Connection Between Coronavirus Disease and Exposure to Radiofrequency Radiation from Wireless Communications, Including 5G. Is there a relationship between COVID-19, symptoms and 5G? Well, Beverly Rubick and Robert R. Brown think so. I'll be talking to Matt Landman about that a bit later on. I have been in communication with Beverly Rubick, the lead author of this study. And she's got back to me. I think she's checking me out. That's okay. I don't mind being checked out. And hopefully she'll come on and talk about it. But it is big, I think. So we'll get into it on today's programme. It's me, Richie Allen, live from BBG Towers here in Salford. Super Salford. I see the Salford Reds are rising. Yeah, good weekend. It was all right. It was all right. I won't get too deep into it. Omicron could become the UK's dominant now. Dominant variant. It might become the dominant variant in the next few weeks, says Professor Paul Hunter. He's one of them scientists. And it's going to take over from Delta and all the cases will be will be Omicron. Never saw that coming, Scylla. I give over, Scylla. We knew that was coming. That's the surprise, you see. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Ah, these dickheads are nothing if not consistent, are they? Anyway, I'm going to honour a promise I made yesterday. And I'm going to remain in tip-top form for the rest of the week. I am. If you're in New York City, put your fingers in your waxy ear holes now. All workers in New York City will need to get the job if they want to continue to work according to Bill de Blasio, the mayor. Now, public sector employers already have been mandated to have the job. Public sector employ- employers already have to be inoculated. But now, private sector companies must make the job mandatory for their employees. It goes into effect on December 27th, and according to Bill de Blasio, it's aimed at curbing the spread of COVID during the winter months. Omicron is here, and it looks like it's very transmissible, Bill de Blasio said 
to MSNBC today. I won't inflict his monotonous, awful, boring voice on you. That's what he said. And he said the mandate was a preemptive strike against the new variant. Because New York is overwhelmed with the Omicron variant. They found eight cases so far. So in case you don't know, New York has already got mandates in place for city workers, hospital nursing staff, as well as for indoor dining, entertainment and gyms. Or gyms. What's a gym? What's a gym? Indeed. As fit as I am, I don't go to the gym. I just don't go to the gym. I've never done the gym. Never done weights. I've done long weights, sitting around waiting for that Egypt that I'm kind of half married to to come down the stairs so we can finally leave and go to the place we agreed we would go to. But I've never done weights, weights. Sainsbury's has asked workers to postpone Christmas parties until the new year. Why? Well, because of the Omicron variant. <laughs> oh, be jeepers. The supermarket giant said... Listen, the situation is very delicate at the moment and we want to do all we can to make Christmas safe for the staff and for the customers and for Willie on fruit and veg. Sainsbury's boss is a guy called Simon Roberts. Roberts said the firm will make sure that nobody is out of pocket as a result of the decision. What does that mean? Anyway, lots of other businesses are choosing to scale back their festive gatherings in fear of Omicron, the strain that is, well, could kill every one of us, apparently. Even though Johnson, the goon in Downing Street, and the plonkers who sit alongside him in Westminster, they've said to people, don't cancel your Christmas parties. But Simon Roberts from Sainsbury's, well, he's told the staff, no parties for you. No parties, says Simon. Oh, shut up, you tart. Clean up on aisle three. Clean up on aisle three. What happened? Charlie from Fruit and Veg just nutted Mr. Roberts. That's what happened. I mean, no, I'm not going to go there. I promised. Jackie Gleason. Don't go there. Now, Professor Tim Spector has said that if you have a cold, you should not leave your house. And he also said that one in three colds are actually due to COVID. He said this to the media. Now, do you think a single journalist asked him, did he have any evidence to support that humdinger? Of course not. Why? Why would you? Why would you ask him for evidence? So he says, if you have a cold, don't go out. Stay in. Stay in. He's a professor of genetic epidemiology at King's College in London. He said, if you have a cold-like symptom, stay home. Don't go to a Christmas party. Let's help stop the spread of coronavirus and Omicron. He says the UK should be much more open-minded about who we are testing and we should get more people to isolate at least for a few days if they have cold-like symptoms. This guy wants people to be compelled to stay indoors if they have a little bit of a sneeze. He said this to Times Radio. <coughs> Dickhead. Anyway, don't say junky anymore because it offends addicts. This is in light of Boris Johnson appearing on television today. Kitted up. Did you see him? He looked like he was going to a fancy dress party. He had all the police gear on. 
He had the flak jacket on. He had the beanie hat with police written on it. The big fat Baxter. And there he was saying that he was going after middle class drug users like you, dear listener. You coke-headed scumbag. Like you. He's He's going after you. And if you're caught with a bit of Charlie, you might have your passport confiscated or your driver's license torn up. So for the cokeheads of Chelsea listening to the BBG, be careful, be very careful. And of course, as this was being mentioned, virtue signalers were crawling out of the woodwork to say that addiction is a disease. It's not a choice, it's a disease. Now, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't take the piss out of addicts. I don't. I've known one or two addicts. But banning words again, police, police. Don't say junkie, they're saying, eh? The junkie's bastard, yeah. The junkie's junkie's bastard, yeah. What was that, Sonny? The junkie's bastard, yeah. The junkie's junkie's bastard, yeah. Yes, we'll keep playing that for the rest of the programme. On a loop. Speaking of absolute idiots, John Swinney is Scotland's Deputy First Minister. Is there anything more pathetic or humiliating in the world than playing number two to Nicholas Sturgeon, eh? Imagine it. How could you even get an erection if you were John Swinney? He's not had sex since he's gotten that job, has he? Let's be honest about it. Making excuses to the wife. I don't know, love. It just won't, it just won't stay up. That's because you're Nicholas Sturgeon's number two. Muppet. Anyway, Swinney was on the BBC today, BBC Radio Scotland, and he wants everyone to take a test every time they leave the house. Every time. (laughs) What are you doing? I'm going to put the washing out. Take a test. Take a test. What are you doing? I'm going to put the... I'm going to to take a pair of secateurs and trim back the gladiolas. Take a test. Take a test. Here he is speaking to BBC Radio Scotland, the impotent John Swinney, Nicholas Sturgeons, number two. Do you have any concerns about just how reliable the lateral flow tests will be in terms of people self-reporting ultimately? You take the test at home and then you self-report. We've got to ensure that people are participating in a in a you know in a serious fashion with this measure uh, the lateral flow tests are, are very reliable tests um you know we we estimate in different stages there is 80 to 90 percent accuracy in lateral flow device tests so uh, they are a, a source of authority um on whether individuals have the virus so it's important that people engage with this seriously, that they report the res- they do the test, they report the results, and they have the information to demonstrate that they are free of the virus to gain access to particular venues. Because it's in nobody's interest, absolutely nobody's interest, for people not to take this seriously and to report the accurate results that they achieve. And if- it's in nobody's interest not to take this seriously and to continue to take lateral flow tests as a matter of course week by week, day by day. And of course, the, the, the crucial point that we're concentrating on around about lateral flow tests, Go on. tests is saying to people that wherever they're going out and about, wherever they're circulating, they really should be doing those tests on a daily basis. So we want people to increase the frequency of the use of lateral flow tests uh, away from the two uh, times per week to much more frequently when they... Away from two times a week now. We were asking you to do it twice a week, now we're asking you to do it lots more times. When they are socialising and interacting with others. And personally, I am now doing a lateral flow test every day I am going out with, with, you know, the prospect of meeting other members of the public. (laughs) He's taking one every day. If you look up John Swinney's kilt, you'll find nothing. Nothing. Nicholas Sturgeon has emasculated the scumbag. 
There's nothing left of John Sweeney's masculinity to be saying this crap on national radio. Imagine it. Save my household. And would you encourage others to do the same? And I would encourage others to do exactly the same because yeah. that gives me confidence that <laughs> I'm protecting my household and it gives me confidence that I'm protecting other people. Wow. And with take, that take confidence, a... would your message to people be... To... Yeah, he's, I, I left in his next question just to demonstrate yet again the impotence, seeing as impotence we're talking about, impotence, the impotence of the media. Rather than turn on Swinney and say, are you out of your mind, you crazy bald bastard? Are you? Asking people to take a test to, to basically release themselves from their own domiciles on a daily basis. Are you really saying that every day of the week, every Scot should take a test in order to determine if they're safe to emerge from their house and, and engage with the public? But he didn't, of course, the BBC dipstick. He just moved on. Just moved on to BBC, huh? Oh. You dipstick. Dipstick, Dell, absolutely right. What does it cost, like, to just ask one question, you know? Think of John Swinney next time you're watching Braveheart. Is this what William Wallace and Robert the Bruce fought for, is it? When they took on Longshanks? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. 13 minutes past five. This is the Richie Allen Show. I'll be joined in about 15 minutes' time... More like 20 by Matt Landman to talk about a new study published in the Journal of Translational, excuse me, the Journal of Clinical and Translational Research, which suggests there is a connection between COVID and exposure to radio frequency radiation from wireless communications, including 5G. Beverly Rubick, Robert Orr Brown, I've been communicating with Beverly Rubick and maybe, just maybe, she might come on the programme to talk about it a little bit more because I think it's kind of serious. But that's just me. As we speak, Sajid Javid, the health secretary who couldn't lance the boil because he used to work in finance and he wasn't very good at that either, is addressing the media about the Omicron variant because they have found 300 cases now of the Omicron variant here in the UK. Yes, all manner of things are going to happen now in the next couple of weeks. Boris Johnson is going to give an update on December 18th, which by my reckoning is 12 days away. And he's going to basically say whether you can do what you like at Christmas or not. And sadly, 98%, this is a made-up statistic, but it must be that, 98% of the population will watch Johnson and will do whatever they are told. If there's any tidbits from Javid's press conference, I'll bring them to you in a few moments. There was an interesting exchange on, on the radio this morning. Sir Christopher Chope, sir, if you please, is a Tory backbencher. Member of the COVID recovery group, he's a lockdown sceptic MP. He was on with Julia Hartley Brewer for about 10 minutes on talk radio and he talked, would you believe, in a little soundbite from that interview, he talks, does Christopher Chope, about vaccine injuries or adverse events, feast your ears. And the government is being very partial on all this because I think one of the key issues around vaccine confidence is people need to be able to trust that the government is telling them the whole story. And we now know from news over the last few, few days that there, the government has to accept that there have been a significant number, albeit a very small minority, a significant number of people who have been adversely affected by the vaccine. Yes. 
and uh, so one way of increasing vaccine confidence would be for the government to say, um, if you are in that very unfortunate cohort who are adversely affected by the vaccines, then we'll see you, right? We'll compensate you without you having to uh, go through very complicated claims procedure. That is possible under the vaccine damage payments legislation. Um, I've raised this in the House of Commons, but the government is going slow on all that, and it's almost impossible for people uh, to get any uh, give from the government when they know jolly well that they have suffered as a result well, of vaccine damage. Well, the key thing is people don't want to have their risk. As you say, the risk is very, very small, but we need to address those concerns and those issues. Oh, Julia, you shameless whore, eh? The risk is very, very small, says Julia Hardley Brewer. Let's just get that in there. And then we have to explain to people, she said, no, you don't. No, you don't. Listen to what Chope said again. And the government is being very partial on all this because I think one of the key issues around vaccine confidence is people need to be able to trust that the government is telling them the whole story. Uh, about injuries. And we now know from news over the last two, few days that there, the government has to accept that there have been a significant number, albeit a very small minority, a significant number of people who have been adversely affected by the vaccine. Yes. Significant number. Brewer says yes. Is anybody saying let's stop the rollout then? No. Yes. And uh, so one way of increasing vaccine confidence... Would Is if you're upfront with people. But maybe... Maybe you're talking out of your arse, Sir Christopher, even though maybe you mean well. Surely a significant number of adverse events, not that I have to justify my decision to Boris Johnson or Sajid Javid or anybody else as to why I will never have their stinking jabs. I don't have to justify that to anybody, but you're giving me a justification. You're acknowledging a significant number of adverse events. I've got a pair of eyes. I can browse, I can peruse the government webs website, look at the yellow card data, and see that these jabs are doing unbelievable damage to people. So I don't need to be persuaded by anybody about anything. You're admitting it yourself. That clown brewer, it goes on this. We look, we've now got at the moment, I think, a very concerted attempt to provide a scapegoat for us having to go into more restrictions, and that is the unjabbed, the dirty, the diseased, the unwashed, the unjabbed. It's all the same. The othering of those people, they are now selfish. They are the reason why the NHS would be under pressure. They would be the reason why other people's lives would be curtailed because the government would be forced to act because of those people not vaccinated. Now, as far as I can tell, there is no evidence for this whatsoever. There are lots of people, well, actually a very small percentage of people in this country who are unjabbed, who are at a high risk in this country. Thankfully, we've, we've had very high take-up. But Thankfully, we have very high take-up. I, I tell you, I, I can tell you this, I can't say I know it for a fact, but I've been around enough newsrooms. I am an expert in this field. Brewer knows that these jabs are causing unimaginable damage to people. She does. But also countries that are even higher take up, like Ireland, they are still seeing um, uh, their cases going up. Um, vaccine passports and mandated jabs has shown no impact whatsoever in terms of the course of this disease. Um, what do you make of this sort of othering and blame game and this scapegoating that is going on of the unjabbed? Christopher? Well, I think it's a very, very dangerous uh, development because this is the tyranny of the majority coming. The tyranny of the majority. ...into play and the, the government almost promoting it. And the, 
amongst those who are unvaccinated, some of them have clinical reasons why they can't be vaccinated. Um, I, I know a, a close relative of mine who's been who had the first jab and it went all went wrong, and she's been advised very strongly against having a second or or, or third jab. It all went wrong. This is, this is an MP saying that he has a close relative who had the jab and it all went wrong. Brewer, if she had an ounce of integrity in her body would stop him and ask him, how badly wrong did it go there, Christopher? But she doesn't. And I, I know people who've decided that um, because they're expecting a baby, they're not going to get jabbed. Well, isn't that sensible for them to make their oh, own judgment? Well, absolutely it's sensible if you're expecting a baby not to get jabbed. But again, here comes Big Pharma's newest friend, Julia Artley Brewer, the thinking man's bit of crumpet, she comes in to save today on behalf of Billy Gates. Well, well although the evidence is now very clear, and we've had a number of pregnancies during this in my family, and everyone's talked about this and researched this at great length, that the evidence is really now clear that actually of those pregnant women who are in, in COVID wards and needing serious help, nine out of ten of those are women who've not been jabbed. Bullshit. Have you seen the evidence, Julia? Actually, you're at higher risk because of your lung capacity being affected by the baby. Aha, you're at, if you're not jabbed, you're at higher risk as an unjabbed pregnant woman because the baby is using up some of your lung capacity. <laughs> ah! The baby is using up some of your lung capacity and therefore the COVID can get you. And therefore, actually, there is good reason for women to get the jab. No, there isn't. They get the jab. But this needs to be explained. No, no, it doesn't need to be explained. It doesn't. Women should be left alone, thank you, to make their decision, thinking of them and their baby, with no interference from the likes of you, Brewer. In a calm and reasoned way, looking at the data to individual women rather than scapegoating. Bullshit, but Chope comes back. Okay, I mean, our, our, our daughter produced a baby um, about three weeks ago. Congratulations. And produced a baby. And she's, now, she's now going out to uh, have a, a vaccine, but she decided, uh, she's, a, she's a vet by profession, so she's not ignorant about all these mm. things, but she decided that in her particular circumstances, she wouldn't get uh, the, the jab until after she produced her baby. Well done, his daughter, the vet. Well done, you. Well done. What else is there to tell you? Oh, listen, masks. Let's stay with Julia Hartley Brewer. We're pilfering her programme today. There's a barrister called Francis Hoare, H-O-A-R. He appears with her, and he's done one or two other indie media things. He won't come on with me. Told me plainly he wouldn't come on with me. That's fine, I don't mind. Here he is talking about masks and your rights and what police people should and shouldn't do. Well, first of all, so far as shops and non-regulated people are concerned, um, questioning somebody, whether uh, somebody who says that they have an exemption, when they have no reason to believe that they don't, is potentially a discriminatory act because they could be disabled and they could have a reason that's connected to their disability. And so they could be discriminating against them. The police do have um, the right to inquire and do have the right to check whether they have reasonable suspicion if there's been an offence. But if somebody again tells the police, I have an exemption, they do not have reasonable suspicion that that person is lying. Uh, we do not live in a state, or we thought we didn't live in a police state, where the state where the police assume that the public is lying to them and assume that they have the right to interrogate them in their most personal details in a public place. They do not have that right. Absolutely. Police officers do not have a reasonable suspicion that somebody is committing an offence if they say that they are exempt. Because if they say they are exempt, the police officer should believe them unless they have good reason 
to disbelieve. Well done, Francis. Or anyway, look, it's it's as simple as this. If you happen to be in a supermarket or somewhere indoors, and a police man or woman says, "Excuse me, uh, why aren't you wearing a face covering?" I'm medically exempt. End of story. If they ask you for more information about your exemption, uh, politely explain to them that they they have no absolutely no right to do that. That your medical affairs are your own business, and and walk away. If they follow you. Ask for the caller number and explain to the police officer politely that you're planning on making a complaint against him or her. That's what I would say. That's what I would say. But then again, you could fill books with the things I don't know. Welcome to your Richie Allen radio show. 24 minutes past the hour. It's Monday's programme. We are December 6th already. Let me answer a question that you keep asking me. You keep asking me. I keep giving you the answer, but you keep asking me anyway. Yes, I will be on air Christmas morning at 10 o'clock with a special edition of the Sunday Morning Melodies show, even though Christmas doesn't fall on Sunday this year. Or am I wrong, does it? No, it doesn't. It falls on Saturday. So there you are. Yes, I will. I did it last Christmas for the first time. I will be doing it, doing it again this Christmas. I will be interrupting my holiday to chat with you on Christmas morning, if that's the thing, if that's the kind of thing you're into, all right? All right. Matt Landman will be with me very soon. It's me, your BBG. From a miserable Salford, it's been raining, it's cold... The wind is rising on Ireland's south coast. Kerry and Cork going to get to battering tomorrow, apparently. Here's the pretenders. Don't get me wrong. The pretenders don't get me wrong on the Richie Allen radio show. Planning to do a phone-in tomorrow, Tuesday. Keep that in mind. I say planning to do it because if the author of the study on the connection between 5G wireless communication radiation and COVID, if that lady who has a PhD from Berkeley University, by the way, if she decides, yes, I will come on, we'll make room for her tomorrow. But failing that, I'll open the phone lines tomorrow because I promised I would do it every fortnight and I've kept my promise thus far. Lots of comments on the website. As we go along, lots of comments to comment to join in. Go to richieallen.co.uk, top of the page, comment live on the menu bar. Just before I welcome back the one and only Matt Landman to the programme, who's a, a great guy. Let me tell you about this, he says as he disconnects his wireless device so he can read what he needs to read. Matt is standing by. So published then in the Journal of Clinical and Translational Research, the study entitled Evidence for a Connection Between Coronavirus Disease 19 and Exposure to Radiofrequency Radiation from Wireless Communications, including 5G. Beverly Rubick and Robert Orr Brown, just to remind you, I have been communicating with Beverly Rubick and I'm hoping that she'll be on the programme uh, if not tomorrow, maybe later in the week. The aim was to look at this connection. Uh, let me read this for you. Uh, let me read this for you. In short, WCR, wireless communication radiation, has become a ubiquitous environmental stressor that we propose may have contributed to adverse health outcomes of patients infected with SARS-CoV-2 and increased the severity of the COVID-19 pandemic. 
Therefore, we recommend that all people, particularly those suffering from SARS-CoV-2, reduce their exposure to wireless communication radiation as much as reasonably achievable until further research better clarifies the systemic health effects associated with chronic uh, wireless communication radiation exposure. This is very, very interesting indeed, and it's very recent. And uh, as I mentioned earlier on, my my guest today gave me a heads up on this uh, over the weekend. He wrote and directed Franken Skies. It's a terrific pr- uh, documentary, an expose of the geoengineering agenda. He's in pre-production, or he might have advanced beyond pre- pre-production of Franken Skies 2. He's a filmmaker, activist and clothing designer. Let's welcome back to the programme our friend Matt Landman. How are you doing, Matt? Hello, Richie. Thank you for having me on. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm really good, mate. Despite everything that's going on, I'm good, and I'm absolutely fascinated by this study and the claims made by the authors of it. But I am intrigued by the qualifications of the lady, in particular, associated with the study, the lead uh, author of the study. Uh, I've invited her on, Beverly Rubick. This is not somebody making trouble or making noise on the internet. This is a qualified woman, absolutely qualified to be making these claims. How do you feel about it, more importantly, you, of course, who've had a lot invested in this field of research in recent years? Um, Thank you so much for asking, and I'm so thankful that this publication came across um, my radar. I'm I'm in such gratitude for all the people out there in the world, all the different listeners and followers. I've got a great social media followership, and someone just randomly sent this to me and said, hey, Matt, have you seen this? And that's how it works, and I just want to say, you know, gratitude for all that. Um, Beverly Rubik seems pretty legit and I'd like to find her and interview her for my sequel because it's all connected you know Richie so I think the publication's great and it's out of the National Institute of Health and it's very well documented and very well put together and it's just like a documentary or any other um, tool that you can offer people it's something meaty that you can hand someone over so that they don't have to just believe you, you know, and take you for credit, or you don't have to point them towards this library of research and have people reading all these books. It's a very simple, well put together paper. And just one thing, I want to talk about my qualifications really quick, because I was thinking about this before, before the show. I got a master's in business administration, an MBA, and I worked really hard um, during the program. It was a cohort, a very competitive program. And I took statistics, a lot of statistics, advanced managerial um, uh, business level, high, highly advanced statistics classes. And my professor, Ken Bond, is, is pretty renowned, really. And what we learned in there, in this grinding statistics class in my master's degree program, is the difference between a causal and a corollary relationship. And what Beverly Rubick is trying to do in this paper is bring to light that there is a correlation. You cannot deny the correlation. And then once we establish a correlation, then we can go and, and test the theory, you know, and run different studies and start, you know, um, putting it into our, our take, put it on our radar, basically, and think about it a certain way. And then if, if it matches up enough times, 
we can go from correlation to causal and say that it's actually leading to it, if that makes sense. One thing really quick, this virus, it has such a wide variety of symptoms, okay, including no symptoms at all. So that is the most obviously abnormal aspect of it. And one thing that does hit all those points and is, um, does have a wide variety of symptoms is radiation sickness, low-level radiation sickness. Low-level radiation sickness could very easily be almost all of these symptoms that people have. And the most noteworthy is um, the loss of or change of your sense of smell and taste. That's always been a radiation symptom, um, a, 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 a radiation sickness symptom. It always has been. And so now all of a sudden it's, it's a viral symptom. It never has been before. And so it starts to add up. I love the paper. I'm hang on, hang on, to... hang on, hang on, hang on, my, my, my great friend. I, I think it's unfair to say that loss of sense, uh, loss of taste and smell never has been associated with viruses. It, it has been. Uh, I, I think it has been. I mean, I, I remember I've had issues with viruses for many years with uh, bronchial problems leading to viruses. And quite often uh, it would play havoc with my sense of taste and, and smell. So I, 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 I don't think... Permanent. How about, how about that? How about permanent, Richie? People are claiming... Oh, did you say permanent? Well, excuse me. My no, apologies for I interrupting not, you. Yeah. I did not. But it's, it's, the, um, yeah. it's, it's the differences that were never seen before, yeah. right? And, and people are, are saying that they have a permanent change in the way that they... That's right. Some are. people are saying that. Absolutely. Right. And, and that, you know, if you still are carrying around the phone in your pocket, <laughs> the source of the radiation, the source of the problem that your body's adapted to, well, then, yeah, you would still be showing, you know, slight symptoms of it all. It starts to all make sense. And I can't wait to hear um, what Beverly Rubik has to say. And I hope you can get a hold of her. I saw that her email was right there. So I'd like and, and she's in California, it looks like. And that's near where I am. So I hope that I can hunt her down. And, and see her face to face because this is a huge step. It's in massive. Right it's massive. Yeah. She was kind enough to get back to me pretty quickly, but, but she, she'd never heard of, of me. So she was a bit cautious in her response, maybe wondering if somebody was trying to set her up. You know, her, her email was very polite, but, but the gist of it was, who the hell are you? You know, kind of a thing. So I, so I got back to her and said, well, this, you know, this is what I do. So we, we, hopefully we will get her on. Before Matt comes back in, I want to read a little bit from, uh, from, from, from the study itself. Just a little bit. It'll only take me 30 or 40 seconds. She writes, and her, her co-author write, Organisms are electrochemical beings. Low-level wireless communications radiation from devices, including mobile telephony, base antennas, wireless network protocols utilised for the local networking of devices and internet access, trademarked as Wi-Fi, she goes on to say, by the Wi-Fi Alliance and mobile phones, among others, may disrupt, ultimately low-level WCR, which is wireless communications radiation, may disrupt regulation of numerous physiological functions. Non-thermal bio-effects below the power density that causes tissue heating from very low-level WCR exposure have been reported in numerous peer-reviewed scientific publications at power densities below the International Commission on Non-Ionising Radiation Protection. 
uh, guidelines. Low-level WCR has been found to impact the organism at all levels of organisation, from the molecular to the cellular, uh, physiological, behavioural and psychological levels. Moreover, it has been shown to cause systemic detrimental health effects, including increased cancer risk, endocrine changes, increased free radical production, uh, deoxy, I can't pronounce it, deoxyribonucleic acid damage, DNA damage, changes to the reproductive system, learning and memory defects. And she goes on to say, uh, you know, to explain why she feels that there is some connection between 5G uh, exposure and exacerbation, maybe uh, the, the the yeah the exacerbation of of the effects of SARS uh, CoV two. If she's if she's right, Matt, and you know, I, I understand where you're coming from. You've been looking into this for years, and I've I've heard from so many researchers over the years, people like Christopher Busby and others, we believe that it does have these effects on the body. And something has occurred to me today, thinking of you coming on, you know, they're building these 5G antennas increasingly alongside schools. Do you know? I know you'll know this. And they're building them alongside hospitals as well. Now, if I said that to a politician, he or she would say, well, you know, communications are very important for hospitals. You know, we need the fastest possible connectivity, hence 5G. They will say schools as well. But if they, if she's right, Matt, and if you're right, and the people who came on Frankenskies with you, if they're right, well, these are terrible places to put 5G transmitters because the children's craniums are not fully developed, their, their skulls are not fully developed. And of course, people in hospitals uh, are usually there because they're pretty weak and sick and their immune systems are not functioning, you know, at, um, uh, you know, at, at optimum levels. So if, 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 if all of you researchers are right, dreadful to be putting these devices anywhere near schools or hospitals, right? Uh, yes, definitely. And the role of an activist including wearing many hats, as we do, is to be well-researched and to never stop digging. These rabbit holes are continuous. Um, for one, in the 1970s, the U.S. Navy did over 2,000 publications and studies on radiofrequency radiation exposure to humans and the bioeffects and conclusively determined that they were hazardous. You know, like these studies are out there. Also, I just recently, just the other day, I found, relative to what you said, is I just found some news articles out of 2017, not too long ago, out of India, where there was a big fuss in India about the cell towers. A man took the court, um, to the, went to the courts, sued telecom, proved that he had cancer from the towers, but then it somehow unraveled to, they set a precedent law that you couldn't have a cell tower within um, 50 meters, I believe, 50 meters of a jail, of a prison. And then that unraveled into so much more where they were setting them and they couldn't be dis certain distances from schools and hospitals. And they had to really put that on hush because the whole of India was starting to wake up to the harms of the radio frequencies and the cell towers and what have you. But yeah, there has to be some sort of, sorry to interrupt, there has to be a limit, a distance. I mean, they can't yeah. just start putting these on top of schools. I've seen them in some states in the United States. I've seen them on schools, big cell towers on top of elementary schools. And this is just experimentation on the human population. No more or less. I mean, I, don't, I can't see it as anything else. Do you remember, it was me doing the interruption. I just wanted to ask you, do you remember when a health minister in Belgium 
said that they were going to suspend the rollout of 5G technology because not enough was known about it and there were significant concerns that it might have an adverse effect on people exposed to it. It was a female, it was a lady, the, the health minister, and she said, right, we're going to put a stop to this until we know more. But I don't know what happened to her, Matt. But, but, but as far as I understand, it just, um, well, it just recommenced again in Belgium. And Belgium is uh, as much, I don't, I don't know if I should say as much, but it's, um, you know, it's rolling out 5G as much as anywhere else in Europe. Yeah, there were, there is, and hopefully still is. But the thing about recent times is nobody wants to talk about cell towers when everyone's worried about a, a fake potentially fake pandemic you know like everything is being sidelined and this is a huge smoke screen for so much i believe the region was called the hague but that could be a different part of europe correct me if i'm wrong but what happened was when they first started installing these towers birds were dying and birds that, that came within a certain range of these towers they were dying they were dropping dead and this is well documented birds just dropping dead and dying and so then um, and I don't know if you witnessed this, but big trees started getting cut down in cities. And part of that was so that the 5G wave could pro- propagate, but also part of that was so that the nests of the small birds and stuff weren't around and people couldn't see these birds dropping dead from these towers around. But th- to understand the 5G wave, it's so small that dense big trees would completely block it and, you, and the infrastructure wouldn't even work. So I, I remember uh, trees being cut down, birds dropping dead, and yes, different parts of Europe were saying no. There was even in Spain a big opposition. There's been a lot of amazing activists standing up and fighting it and a lot of awareness. I just think so much has been swept under the rug. The, the day that we had our lockdown in the United States, people were contacting me from all over North America saying, I'm locked in my house, but they're outside putting up these 5G antenna out front of my house, out front of the schools. We can see them doing it. It's as if they're waiting for everyone to be behind closed doors so they could, you know, do it. So they could do it. Yeah, one of the things I heard, and again, this is anecdotal. I don't know how true it is, but, you know, I, I'm prepared to believe it, but I, I couldn't endorse it. But that here in the UK, that during the, the first lockdown in in late March, April of last year, these things started, you know, popping up everywhere. On the Belgium thing, I, I was listening intently to you. And while I was, I was looking at the story. It was 2019. It was uh, Celine Fromalt. She was the environment minister for Belgium at the time. I'm, I'm not sure if she still is, but I've been trying to find more information about her recently while chatting with you. She said at the time, I cannot welcome such technology if the radiation standards, which must protect the citizen, are not respected 5G or not. She said the people of Brussels are not guinea pigs whose health I can sell at a profit. We can't leave anything to doubt. The thing is, Matt, if you put Celine from Alt's name into a search engine, then you press enter, then you press news, you do get that story, but you don't get anything after that. So I don't know if somebody had a word with her and said, listen, shut up. Um, about that. I, I don't know, but there's nothing since then about 5G in Belgium. Well, censorship is very real. I try yeah. to use different um, search terms and search engines and what have you, but everything's very controlled and filtered. She's very right about the guidelines and the levels of radiation, where the standards are set. In the United States, under Bill Clinton, our guidelines are still set with the 1996 Telecommunications Act. So they set 
their wireless radiation limits at a level and then they didn't address anything of what we're dealing with now and they've never adopted any new anything or anything like that so to go back really quick i want people to understand what i meant be, um, about correlation and causal relationships because it's it's very hard for everyone to understand it if you don't um, really grasp it and global warming and all these things they'll say oh hey, look it's a hot day global warming now we got to do something about it that doesn't mean that the planet is heating just because it's a hot day and then when you start to learn about climate engineering all of those the statistics get thrown out the window so what what statistics is is if i say for instance every time i wear a yellow shirt if i flip a coin and keep flipping a coin say heads comes up i could say every time I wear the yellow shirt, heads comes up. But eventually, after doing it, you know, 10 times, 100 times, five times, tails will start coming up. And then I can no longer say that there is a relationship between the two because it starts to, you know, be 50-50 or whatever. After you repeat the experiment over and over and over and over, you know, there's no, without a benefit of a doubt, that every time I do it when I'm wearing the yellow shirt, that heads comes up because it doesn't. But if you start to really crunch numbers and you can, you can chart numbers and filter out outliers, and you can actually scientifically process all of this stuff. And what this paper tries to do is say, there's so much data here saying that this is likely connected, that it's a large elephant in the room, and that it needs to be addressed, and it's most likely connected, especially when you talk about the oxidation of the cells and the, the heart problems and all of these stressors that increased radiation cause and they're right there linking it to all of the symptoms that other people are, are having you know and they've got a phone in their pocket and last time i was on the show i talked about how these phones started piercing my phone bags right yeah that's the right are, yeah. the phones are emitting way more radiation than before and no one's questioning it because telecom and the media and hollywood and everything else they don't talk about the fact that EMF radiation can cause harm. People even get EMF sensitive, and then they are actually collecting checks from the federal government yeah. for um, disability, but nobody wants you to know that because then you wouldn't want to have a cell tower out front of your kid's school or your house or whatever, and they need more cell towers to have the density to be able to propagate a 5G wave to really have their deployment. That's working. a bombshell you've just dropped on me there. I didn't know that. Is that right that some people in your country receive disability checks and it is acknowledged that they have been uh, made unwell because of exposure to EMF. I didn't know that. That's really important. That is very true. One gentleman has contacted me repeatedly and he wants me to uh, put him on shows like yours to, to talk about that because his after being completely diagnosed, if you really look into it, so many things, including diabetes and depression. I mean, you name it. I think it can be linked to either mineral deficiency or uh, symptoms of low level radiation, which we are all surrounded by the soup and it's increasing and increasing. And people are sh showing signs. I mean, I used to get heart palpitations in coffee shops. I mean, I could actually literally see how much I was in. But, I mean, some people don't show as many, you know, signs as fast, you know, the canary in the coal mine kind of thing. But we have to address it. That's why I'm making the clothing line. While we're on the topic really quick, I want to tell your loyal listeners that I made them a coupon for life. It's called Richie Allen. So I have a coupon code on my Sparrow website, Richie Allen. If you go there, um, you get a discount. Sparrow Gear uh, is the website. Sparrow is the Latin word for hope. 
and it's S-P-E-R-O gear.com. And on there, I make silver clothing and Faraday bags and all this to try to protect or to actually protect people from this increase in radiation, especially children especially and pregnant kids. women and all that. Yeah, well, the kids well, really when you mentioned see. coffee shops there, was that down to the fact that coffee shops will often have microwave ovens there, sometimes big old microwave oven, ovens? Well, it's a soup. Everyone's on their phone and then there's yeah. a big Wi-Fi router and then everyone's on their laptops and then they've got the microwaves. I mean, I, I brought meters into those things and it's, it's through the roof. If people had an actual awareness, which there's like they, they keep throwing around the word Agenda 2030. I have my own Agenda 2030 and it involves having little schools where kids are not experimented on by wearing masks and social and all that stuff, distancing and all that stuff. It involves also having this clothing line succeed to the point where it has actually like cool little meters in the arm, like a radiation meter in the vest or in the arm. So you can see where you're at because believe it or not, I mean, if we agree, I mean, people in the world do not want to admit it, admit it or not. We're in a war. I think World War III, the spiritual war, it started on 9-11. And here we are, we're in the midst of it. And as this radiation increases and we get continuously bombarded by it and they, and they keep attacking us on every front, fluoride, you name it, the, the geoengineering chemtrail agenda, we can't even, I mean, that's a whole nother show. But at the end of the day, we have to protect ourselves and learn how. And we should actually be carrying around little EMF meters everywhere we go. And then if you had it on your vest, pocket or something like that. And then you go into the coffee shop, and you're like, oh, well, maybe I need to put on my sparrow silver hoodie because I'm in here. Or maybe I shouldn't be in here for more than 10 minutes or something. You know, we need to understand the environment in which we live. The thing is, it's, it's invisible, Richie. That's the biggest Can't thing. Can't see it, yeah. That's it. If yeah. the radiation was bright purple or something in a spectrum that we can see, and our eyes, we are the, because of the curvature of our eyes, we can't even see infrared or ultraviolet. And that is a color that's all around us. It's just the size of our eyes and the way the light you know, gets broken down. We can only see Roy G. Biv, red, orange, yellow, blue, indigo, violet. But there's also light out there that they carry information on. It's all around us. We just can't see it. But if we could see it, we'd be like, oh, well, that's really bright. It's hurting my eyes. I'm going to stay away from it or, or protect myself from it in some way. It's just the invisible is what, you know, people, they pass the buck to the authority. They trust the authority because of the indoctrination, brainwashing, Edward Bernays, trust the doctor, That's you know, right. all this sort of That's stuff, right. trust the specialist. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, we don't take, a, take truth as our authority. Some of us do, you and I and the truth seekers and whatnot. But a lot of people out there need to understand the, the, really the world that we live in. And you have to read ingredients, avoid certain things. I've done so much research recently on aluminum. Everyone out there, please, if you have aluminum in your deodorant, throw it away. Get rid of that it. Alum the aluminum gets in your pores, and guess what happens? You get on your phone, and that aluminum gets microwaved, and slowly you get breast cancer and stuff like that. Just imagine the phone in your bra and the aluminum accumulating in your lymph nodes. I mean, it's not... It's not rocket science. We talked you know, about we, this, I think, if not last time, the time before. Increasingly young women are going out on the town in in groups. And if they have a small purse with them, they might have their phone in there. But many of them tend to keep phones. I read this in one of the in one of the female, it might, it might have been the female segment of the Daily Mail newspaper. They're keeping phones in, in their bras. What the hell? I mean, yes. I, I, even if you don't have, if you've not been exposed to, 
you know, actualactivists.com or frankenskies.com. If you've not heard Matt before, or if you've never heard this programme, surely you have enough basic knowledge to know that can't be good for you, putting a mobile phone in such a place. Well, imagine the life of the researcher, the journey that I've been on, I just found that connection with the deodorant. It makes perfect sense. And also, how do you detox from aluminum and stuff in your environment? You sweat it out. But if you clog your pores with aluminum, you can't detox. It, it pools in your limbs. And I think nearly 100% of breast cancer cases come from aluminum deodorant, literally. And then we're exposed to radiation regardless of the foam being in our breast. But I mean, if you put it right there and the two combined, it's just, it's, it's literally just one plus one. And so I think it's important to just keep on digging and keep on exploring all the different truths that you're, that, that, that you have, because I, I mean, sometimes you don't even see the connections. Like I just recently realized the deep connection of fluoride, like fluoride is so connected oh, to, alu- to aluminum. Yeah, it's deadly. Fluoride's yeah. connection to aluminum is so important because it's a byproduct of aluminum smelting. The two things like to recombine in your brain, and that's Alzheimer's. Deadly. And and that too is not rocket science. But did it's a you one know? Punch. Did you know that the health secretary of this country is looking at legislating to return fluoride to the nation's water supply? Now, when I say return. There is fluoride in some drinking water in the UK, but but not a lot of it. Um, I'm in Greater Manchester or Salford. It isn't put in the water here. They're they're they really want to do it here. Now I come from Ireland, and um, it's almost universal in the Republic of Ireland. Like if you're drinking tap water in Ireland, it's pretty much fluoridated there. And I have to put my hands up. I left Ireland when I was 24, I think, or 25, and I would have drunk or drank an enormous amount of fluoridated water, Um, but not for a long time now. But they're determined in this country, Matt. They're so determined to medicate us, aren't they? You know they want to put folic acid back in bread in this country for pregnant women. They want to put folic acid in bread. I mean, how dare they? think that, you know, they have the right to force Medicaid people. But yeah, they want to bring fluoride in. It's great you're on the fluoride thing. One of the very first uh, interviews I ever did when I walked away from commercial radio was with people who were screaming from the rooftops about how deadly fluoride is for the pineal gland and how deadly it is full stop. And What's the story in, in, in the States, Matt, as far as you understand it? Fluoridation in the water isn't widespread, is it, anymore, or is it? Oh, well, it is very is it, widespread, but what's amazing is very many, there's a lot of communities that have fought it and removed it, and that's almost more empowering than anything. Um, to, to, I just, it just clicked that The Hague is in Brussels, so Brussels really fought the 5G before. And yeah, when I first right. got on the chemtrail path, there was an activist by the name of Terry Lawton, that's actually Terry, yeah, friend, Irish Frank, guy. Frankenskies, and he started off on the fluoride journey, and that's how he really yeah. woke up to everything. People, there's been no studies ever saying that fluoride is is proven to be good for your teeth. It goes into your stomach when you drink it. There's no time for it to bond to your teeth. And then it just wreaks havoc on your body. It doesn't do anything to your teeth. Like that is just some fairy tale that it's total brainwashing. And it's, again, just passing the buck to to a specialist of some sort. You know, oh, the dentist knows better than I do. It's nobody knows better than you do. This is your body, you know. It's, it's not, and, and for the United States, it's every county, every city. I've 
tend to I tend to go and live in communities where there is no fluoride. I live in Ashland, Oregon. There's no fluoride. The state that I live in is very much fluoride free, and there's a lot of communities around me that are fluoride free. Some random towns do it. The more liberal it seems, well, things are upside down now. It's everything's upside down on their head. Isn't Everything it? is totally inverted. Hey, by the way, well, I must I must mention, yes, Matt, I must mention this before I forget to mention, I interviewed a woman some years ago called Anna Choi. Now, if anybody's into the fluorite thing, they'll know who Anna Choi is. She authored a study um, about lifetime exposure to fluoride. She looked at Chinese children and concluded uh, that basically there is a lot of evidence that uh, if you have, if, if you are exposed to fluoride during the course of your lifetime, uh, in your drinking water, it may produce developmental neurotoxicity. I mean, this this, this is there, and I know if I I know if I go online now, for example, and I go to the National Library of Medicine, I know that study will still be there. Uh, fluoride is deadly, people. I'm so glad you brought it up, Matt. We don't talk about it often enough. It is deadly. It is poison. And they take fluoride. It's an offshoot or an offset. It's a byproduct of industrial activity. That's what they take and they put it into drinking water. It's industrial waste. And they pump yes. it into, into your water. It and, always has been. And yeah. the thing about it is it links, it bonds to aluminum. It doesn't wreak havoc on your body until it has the aluminum to bond to. And then it is having chemical reactions in your brain. It actually pulls the aluminum past the blood-brain barrier, and it pools in your brain. Um, there's also a thing called fluorosis. People get fluorosis, which it's a breakdown of your minerals in your teeth and your bones, and it actually is horrible. Your teeth break down. It's not good for your teeth. You get fluorosis, and your teeth become brittle and fall apart. Okay, also, what's the safe dosage? Nobody ever talks about safe dosage. Is no. it okay to give my infant tap water? Is it okay to give my pet or my canary my it's bird you know point. like what happens like with accumulation over time and all these things the studies are not there and all the studies that exist and please go to actualactivists.com there's a whole tab on fluoride alone and that can really lead to people waking the f up because if you can see that our tap water is being tainted you know and that they're lying about that then maybe the cell tower they're putting up in our neighborhood you know, back to the 5G, I encourage people to do some research, understand this millimeter size carrier wave. The size of the wave really matters. They say that we need cell towers everywhere to what? Make it a little faster. Everything is fine the way that it is. And if you knew the harms, you wouldn't consent to it one bit. Uh, Ricky, have you, I mean, Richie, sorry, brother, have you ever seen the video of mercury mixing with aluminum? No, I'm intrigued. It's unreal. It's unreal. I'll have to send it to you. It's on my Instagram too. Um, it's the two get mixed and then they form um, over about the duration of like one or two minutes. It builds into like this uh, couple inch, maybe six inches tall, weird. It, it, there's a chemical reaction that keeps on going and going and going and going. It's, it's unreal, the, the two, when they bond. And so if you think about we've got mercury amalgams in our teeth or maybe mercury from those twirly light bulbs. Those light bulbs are toxic. You, gotta, you, have, you can't have those in your house for a lot of reasons. There's so much... We need to learn about the light that we're exposed to. But if you get mercury in your body and then along comes aluminum from the air, the aerosols or the deodorant or whatever, you know, read your ingredients. It's in baking soda and stuff like that. Then these two things will wreak havoc on your system. Or what about these, you know, um, I guess I can say the word vaccines, right? There's thimerosal in there, which is mercury. 
And then guess what? There's also aluminum as an adjuvant. They're mixing those things together. These blue masks have polytetrafluoroethylene, which is synthetic fluoride. If you just research PTFE masks, you'll see all these blue masks that people are wearing. It's, yeah, it's, German it's study. Well done, well done you for know. bringing that up. A German study said last year that the masks are dangerous. Uh, the, the, you know, there are chemicals being inhaled, ingested, really good stuff. I'm going to pick you up on the thimerosal Alu- aluminium it's aluminium we had this argument before I'm sick of you Landman mm-hmm. we've had this argument time and again it's aluminium Yankee now <laughs> so I've got to pick you up on this thimerosal and aluminium you're the guest so we'll say aluminium look the, the vaccine manufacturers say I've got to say this I wouldn't be doing my job they say there are there are not even trace amounts of mercury and aluminium in the jabs they're not even trace amounts not, not nowhere near enough to cause any problems to the recipients. That's what they say time and again. What do you say? Well, they're in the ingredients and people are having adverse reactions. Um, uh, You know, there's been studies where they can't even um, match one um, inoculation to the other. Like they don't know the levels in each one. Like there's been studies where they don't even know what levels each person is getting. And for, for I, I've never seen studies that say that there is no thimerosal. I mean, it's literally in flu shots. In flu shots, you can it take is. out the insert, and it says right there, thimerosal, which is mercury. And this is in, let's, let's talk about this. So v- vaccines, and sorry to use that word. Let's just say the word jabs. Or jabs. Something. I don't want to yeah, get jabs in is but, so <laughs> No, no, say jabs. Absolutely. So for the, in, in all of history of humanity, which I don't agree with this, there's been jabs. And say they um, put the flu strain or, you know, whatever it may be, the Ebola vaccine or, you know, something typhoid or something in there. Right. And then they break down the, the virus so that you can't get too sick from it. And then they put an adjuvant in there. That's why there's these poisons in there. They're called adjuvants, which they aggravate your immune system, basically, and make you think that you've gotten um, a sickness, you know, that you're exposed to something. And then your immune system reacts of course it would if it's been dumped some aluminum or mercury on it, right? Or polysorbate 80 or all these other adjuvants that are highly toxic. And then once your immune system is activated, then it comes out and it sees that, you know, typhoid or whatever, and it reacts to it. And then you create, you create a natural immunity, supposed leak. That's the whole shtick. That's what they're pitching you. And that's why people have gotten back um, jabs this whole time, this whole of our lifetime, right? Now, all of a sudden, the media is not even really explaining it to people. I really have started to feel bad for Richie, you know, for people, Richie. Right when I started, when this all started, people that were out there wearing masks and, and like getting all excited and upset, I, I was mad, you know. But I've gone through stages of <laughs> grief too. now and I pity them, brother. I'm just like, wow, are you going to be in line in two years? Are you going to be getting the chip in your head in five years? I mean, like, where's this going? Have you gone much into the QR codes? You know, this is a slippery slope in and of itself. But, but so, so we'll go there in a second. But these, these new jabs, they haven't isolated anything, you know? They're just supposedly giving you some sort of boost in your immune system, which is actually creating kind of an autoimmune reaction. And they're laying you with nanobots and it's, I mean, nanotechnology and these boosters I think the boosters are just getting people programmed and ready for these electroceuticals because this word is coming up now over here, especially where people are just going to be taking these pills that have nanotech in them instead of getting, you know, 
this this scary booster. They're just going to be taking these nanotech COVID pills, you know. And that's a dystopian weirdo future if people are getting in line and there's a social credit system and an AI and you're, you're popping a pill once a week or once a day to make sure you don't get sick. That maintains your immune system. Basically, we're, we're saying that our God-given immune system is trash all of a sudden and it can't handle anything. And we have to have nanotech racing around our bodies. Yeah identifying COVID and, and all this. And not just stuff. COVID, but, but obviously lots and lots of other illnesses mm. as well. Man, I have a question for you about the metaverse. Now, look, I, I don't expect you to know any more than the average person about the metaverse. So it's a general question. But before I do that, you're listening to Matt Landman. Matt's a brilliant filmmaker and activist and clothing designer. He wrote and directed Frank and Skies. He's currently working on the sequel to that. We can't wait to see that when it comes out. Matt is... Uh, uh, you can find him at actualactivists.com you can find him at frankenskies.com and go on give another plug to the clothing web- website what, what was the website address again oh thank you Richie the website is Sparrow S-P-E-R-O which is a Latin word for hope so it's Sparrow Gear G-E-A-R dot com and then it's Sparrow Gear for the Instagram and then if the listeners want the permanent Richie Allen coupon code, just plug in the word Richie Allen, no spaces. And I really appreciate that. It's silver lined clothing and uh, accessories and apparel, which deflects um, as a guard. It shields you from the radiation, just like a cloth shirt would shield you from the radiation from the sun. And you don't get sunburned just like that. But for the frequency that is radiation off of. Uh, Wi-Fi and cell towers and what have you. Good man, Matt Sparrow, S-P-E-R-O gear dot com. Check it out now. I remember having a conversation some years ago with uh, my old friend, David Icke, and I phoned him up and I said, David, for research purposes only, and it was, I got an Oculus thing for my Samsung phone and I connected it up and I put the headset on now, this is a few years ago, so that technology is just rubbish now compared to what's available in 2021. And David said, what was it like, Richie? And I said, well, I put it on and, yeah, it's fairly impressive. I'm looking around the room and I can see a, I can see a Tyrannosaurus Rex over there. It looks fairly real, but, you know, it's still a little bit kind of rudimentary. But um, I said, what do you make of it? And he said, well, I think ultimately these... 3D, these, not 3D, these um, virtual reality experiences. He said, ultimately, we, we, we're living in a dream world anyway. That's what he believes, that, that we live in a simulation. So by people using the, 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 the headsets and getting into virtual worlds, we're, we're, we're taking another step away from who we actually are, you know, the, the spiritual beings that we are. And I've always been fascinated by that area of research that David has always been into. Now, these things are amazing today. First of all, I've not had a, a try of any of the recent headsets I haven't. I'd like to just have a look. Again, for research purposes, I don't plan on spending any time in any of these virtual worlds. But Facebook's metaverse is going to be incredible. We, if you and I worked for a company, we worked in finance, for example, we wouldn't have to use Microsoft Teams anymore or Zoom. We would put on some of this gear and we would feel 100% like we were in the same space. And of course, after work, we could stay 
in this virtual world and we could have the most incredible experiences you know attending concerts you know taking a a walk through the ruins of Pompeii or going to ancient Rome or whatever we could do all of that and I wonder I wonder about that and uh, your opinion on it and what part that metaverse is going to play in the agendas that we're talking about now you know rolling out these jabs and, and these pills with nanotechnology QR codes eventually implantable uh, chips people being implanted we, we know these things exist already Musk has already got volunteers lining up to have these chips placed on the on the brain these neural interfaces this virtual world that we might spend an awful or an inordinate amount of time in what's that all about do you think how does that fit with the agendas we've been discussing today if there's an answer to that Oh, it's a great question, and there's a there's an answer for sure. Um, in my world, I, I I wear many hats. I'm an entrepreneur, businessman, activist, filmmaker. So, so I watch all these dystopian movies. A lot of it's for research. And yeah. I don't know if you've seen the movie Ready Player One. Have you seen? Oh, that I one? have. I saw it in 3D. I was blown away by it. Oh wow, in 3D. That's that sounds like a headache, but either way, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a slippery slope and it's very well designed and the powers that be are genius. So here's what I witnessed. I, um, my girlfriend had a couple kids, um, had a couple kids, eight and 10 years old, I think at the time when we had the first lockdown in March of last year and the children, we as, as humans were social beings, but the children are especially social beings and they turned to me and said, well, what about, can I go play with my friend? No, you can't play with your friends. We're not even allowed to be within six feet of each other. And, you know, we're, yeah. we're supposed to be on a lockdown and we're, we can't, you know, the friends are freaking out. The friend's parents are freaking out. No, we can't go. And can we go to the library? No, actually, the libraries are closed. What about the bookstore? Sorry, the bookstores are closed. Um, school? I don't know. School's closed indefinitely. They, I, I looked them in the eyes and I said, they said two weeks, but honestly, honey, we're out for the school. We're out for the year, and I was right. I was right. You they knew. thought I was crazy. I was right. You know, the crazy conspiracy guy was right. All of a sudden, okay. And you know what they ended up doing is going on Roblox and playing with their friends. And I'm like, okay, well, we don't really have much to offer you, and I can't fight it too much because because then the children will actually rebel against you. You know, so it's like it's hard for me to know the technology and watch it happen. But either way, an entire generation was locked inside because it's one generation at a time the way that they attack us. We are pretty smart. We can see it because we're starting to wake up to so much. And we came from a world of no cell phones and then pagers. I mean, I had a pager when I was like a teenager, you know. But here we are and these children, they're being locked in their houses, told that there's germs. And whenever they do get to hang out with their friends, they have to wear masks and they have to be socially distant and all this stuff. And they're afraid of their germs and their parents are you know, asking them if they touch their friends and all this stuff. So there's a safe space and it's not the real world. And in the movie Ready Player One, which is which is a dystopian future in Ohio, the Midwest of the United States, and the real world, which in this movie, there's not a not one blue sky is shown. It's all looks like geoengineered grayed out skies, yeah. by the way. You know, there's all these dystopias and conspiracies or truths, they all merge together. You know, I mean, even just aluminum can merge all these things together. I can say it, too. So in Ready Player One, the real world is crap. 
you know, there's hardly any plant plant life and miserable. People can can interact. But I mean, I watched the movie Demolition Man and in Demolition Man, Sylvester Stallone, he's all excited about having sexual relations. Yes. With Sandra um, Bullock, who wouldn't be Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Right. And then they're six feet apart, putting little things on their head. That's right. Because because touching and being close to each other is poo-poo because of probably viruses and programming and what have you. So I I think that this metaverse and the perfect timing, of course, right? So we're we're looking at, and we could do a whole show on this one, we're looking at climate change, global warming lockdowns, Richie. We are. And And I've talked about this. Can I just interrupt just for a minute and then I'll shut up and get out of your way. I want to stay with this for a minute. No, this is really good. You and I must have been separated at birth, even though I'm probably 10 years older than you. This has been on my mind now for a long time. They are making the world pretty miserable for people. I spent most of last week, even even on air for, for, for parts of the programmes, pretty miserable at the reality that is info- unfolding around me. And it occurred to me, they are going to present the metaverse as a phantasmagorical, wonderful, fantabulous place to be where you can experience pretty much anything you want. And I think you've hit the nail on the head there. They'll, they'll bring in this climate change bollocks, which it is. Yes, there are things happening environmentally we don't like. Yes, we are dirty. Yes, we shouldn't put plastic in the seas. Uh, but we are emerging from an ice age. Ma- man-made CO2 is not warming the planet. I don't believe there's any evidence for that, but that's for another day. Yes, why not bring in, you've got to stay at home or the planet is going to implode or explode and all life on earth will die. You've got to stay in. But I tell you what, kiddies, don't be in despair because we've got a whole new world for you. Why not, Matt? It makes perfect sense to me. And you don't have to wear a mask. No. And also, you know, with all of these new updates, you can probably even smell the freaking flowers. Yes, you can be whoever you want to be. Yes, I, I'm Richie and Allen, also right? You can be whoever you want to be because you are ugly. Yes. We all know it. Yeah. When, when we are children, all right, and we're standing in line at the grocery store and we're waiting for our parents to cut those checks or pay for the groceries, right? What are we looking at? We're looking at candy, which is all vibrantly colored and bad for us. And we're looking at pretty people that have been photoshopped. And, and that was before the internet. And we're like, this is what people are supposed to look like. And you're ugly because you don't look like them. We've always been told that we're ugly. I mean, let's face it. But now we can sit at home and eat our Doritos and not even worry about it because our avatar is going to be gorgeous and be able to fly. Yes. You know what I mean? But guess what? The world is actually beautiful. The, the, like they try to tell us that the coral reefs have already died and we need to dim the sun. And to be so afraid of the demonized sun, the sun is a beautiful thing. They call it solar radiation management. They need to manage the solar radiation, but they don't call radiation off the phones or the cell towers radiation. They call it EMS. It's this fancy little word. The sun is actually really good and good for us. The polar, the solar, um, I'm sorry, the um, coral reefs are not dead. The world is a beautiful place. Humanity is still intact and a lot of people really still care. I interacted with a woman yesterday. I bought her a stamp, Richie. I bought a woman a stamp. Um, she didn't have any cash, and there's a little kiosk at the post office. Po- post office was closed. She came into the post office yesterday, and I was just doing my stuff. I had no mask on. She had on a mask, and we interacted, 
And it was the most beautiful thing. She left like crying because she never thought that some evil person with his face out would buy her a freaking yeah. stamp for a dollar, right? Yeah. And I was like, I don't care. I'll buy you a stamp. So really quick while I have you and your listeners, this QR code, it's a slippery slope. And they get our consent in really weird ways. And I could talk about more about the metaverse, please, and we can go there. It's, 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 it's such a play on the children. These poor kids, they don't know what they're being subjected to and how predatory it is. But it's just as predatory as putting um, the tablet in the stroller and eliminating the mom from the situation or putting the color TV in the house and trying to break up the family unit. All right, but this QR code, it is, I think it's the mark of the beast. We might not end up with chips in us, but we might end up with QR code tattoos. Everywhere I go now, especially in the cities, I went to a city for a conference recently in the United States, and I'm just gonna start avoiding cities. Oh my God, everywhere you go, they say that they are trying to remove all surfaces. I mean, I'm standing on the ground, and I, I'm laughing at them. Like, surfaces? You can't remove all surfaces. But, they're, but they literally are saying that they're removing all surfaces, and they have, um, for buttons, they have, um, for the buttons on the escalator or whatever, elevator, anywhere you touch a, a handle or anything, every surface has self-cleaning nanotechnology on it. I have no idea how it even works. It's, it's disgusting. But everywhere you go, there's no menu, and there's a QR code. And you're supposed to take out your phone and scan it. Yeah. And when these QR codes first came out, I was like, what is this? And people say, oh, yeah, you scan the QR code. It takes you to a website. And I said aloud and to myself, why don't they just market the website? You know? Oh, one thing about marketing is, yes, uh, Facebook, they have unlimited money. Unlimited. They're going to be advertising this metaverse everywhere you go. And while people are protesting these lockdowns in Europe, there'll be a beautiful billboard and there'll be people walking around on their, you know, <laughs> their, free, their virtual reality. Headset. Free in the metaverse. Yeah. Free. Yeah. Absolutely. I see this. It's been, I've been thinking about this in a lot of my downtime. It's gotten me pretty down thinking about it because I, I can see how it will be embraced. You mentioned youngsters will, of course, because they've been programmed youngsters. Look, you know as well as I do, I live in, Salford is a pretty big, it's a city, Salford, but it's more like a big, big old town. It's, uh, we're on the outskirts of, of Manchester city centre. We're only a mile and a bit away. And look, I'm, I'm surrounded. I think there are four schools in the area. So on the one hand, that's a nice thing. Because it's nice when you're out and about with your dogs, when you're out having a walk. It's nice to see children running around. But to a, to a boy and a girl, they're glued to their phones. I mean, they're glued to them. You don't pass a single child that isn't walking head down with either left or right hand outstretched. I should say arm outstretched with a phone in the hand. They've really gotten the children with these devices. They have. They're, they're, I, it's... Their addiction, I don't know. We know that there are doctors in this country. We know there are psychologists very concerned about uh, children being addicted to these things. So you can just see how, for children, this will be an amazing, amazing development. You know, you can go in the metaverse. You know, forget about difficulties at home. Forget about school. Forget about bullies. Forget about being targeted on Twitter. Forget about all of that. You can go into the metaverse. And I wonder about, you know, you mentioned the Avatars, James Cameron's film. Funnily enough, that started to show up again lately on our movie channels here on, on Sky, uh, the, the Sky package. It's showing up. I wonder how much of, 
of of those films were to do with you know kind of programming, predictive programming, getting people used to the idea, you know, that such things would be reality in 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 uh, in the future. You know that you could go into a totally different world while remaining pretty much where you are. What do you think? You know, the predictive programming element. Oh, I don't doubt any of it. I've even questioned how uh, Guy Fox and all of that made um, masks really cool. I question all of it now. It's unreal. So inevitably, they won't be looking at their phones, the children. They'll actually be wearing like VR headsets and when the, and augmented reality kind of stuff. And then they'll literally be wearing rose-colored glasses. The world will be, look, will be different through the lens yeah. that they perceive. So now you can use your um, phone and take a picture of Kim trailed clouds and there's a Snapchat filter that makes them white and fluffy. It's, it's seriously unreal. It literally changes your perspective of reality. And when they push this slippery slope, it'll be uh, um, VR headsets, but then slowly it'll become chips in people's heads with Elon Musk's Neuralink and all that sort of stuff. And the social credit system will keep everybody in line taking their electroceuticals and, and being, you know, basically abandoning identity and being more of this like cog in a wheel, everyone's the same kind of person. So really quick on the QR code, it was invented in 1994 by Masahiro Hara of the Japanese car company Denso Wave. And this co company, they actually, in 1992, they created the barcode. So they're these innovators. Then... Years later, in 2012, Lee Rothschild, the, of the Rothschilds, yes, he fought in patent court and won in the United States the patent to connecting QR codes to the Internet. So if you link a QR code to the Internet, you owe Lee Rothschild and his company money. And so once he got this patent, he sued the pants out of everybody, all these different small businesses and companies all over the United States, you name it, who use QR codes to connect to the internet, which is like widely done, right? So now with Lee Rothschild at the helm of this QR code, I'm seeing this dystopian future where we're in a cashless, because cash is dirty and gross, of course, right? And how could you, you know, touch somebody's touchings of things, you know? So there's gonna be a cashless society, where the QR code is on your phone at first, and that's how you um, connect to your bank account and whatnot. But then what else is going to be on the QR code? Your health records, right? Because everyone has to get the jab and all that nonsense. And then that QR code is going to have to be accessible. You can't just lose your phone or not have a smartphone or whatever. So eventually, I think it'll be the mark of the beast. It'll be a tattoo of the sorts, and people will have it like whenever they get their um, booster or they've taken their electroceutical for the month or the quarter or enough, then they get their QR code little tattoo adjusted with a little notch in there and then it's you know, scanned into the system and what have you, but it's a really ugly, gross, slippery slope and I, I, I want to buck the system and I think it's not fair because the powers that be are using outright trickery, okay? This is, this is a free world of free will Right? There's supposed to be free will for the destiny of our species. And the free will is, is being compromised through polarization of, of lies, lies, dualistic lies. Like we've been given two lies, and this Hegelian dialectic is trying to corner us, like global warming, climate change, all this stuff. I'm starting to think, think honestly, that energy itself is free. So if energy is free, then all this global warming, because of all the energy being used and the carbon and all this stuff, 
like we're really being bamboozled big time. And that's that's even deeper down the rabbit even hole. Even deeper but, down the rabbit hole, yeah. We've got about yeah. three minutes left today. Um, before we go, I want to ask you about, you know, the speed of things. Things are going very quickly now and they have begun to accelerate in, in the last couple of weeks. You've got Bill de Blasio in New York. I know it's the other side of the country, but it's your country saying that, um, you know, they're mandating the, the the job now for private sector companies, employees. This is just tyranny on steroids. They're saying that from the 27th of December, you're working for a private company. Well, the owners of that private company must insist on you being jabbed or you'll be fired. These are, it's going to be a dark winter, I think, this, isn't it? It's it's getting pretty scary at the moment. You, you, you know what's going on in Austria they're, they've mandated the jab there for everybody. Everybody, that's every citizen. Uh, the, the Germans want to do it as well. There are increasing calls in this country. I'm in the UK, as you know, and the media in particular are really pushing it hard that the unjabbed are a big problem and something needs to be done about them. Well, how do you see this? Give, give us a ray of light, will you, please, Matt, before we sign off today. What are people going to do about this? Because it's inevitable. They're going to try. They're going to legislate for it and mandate it for everyone, and that might be, uh, you know, for many people that means loss loss of a job. It might mean fines. It might mean imprisonment. Where do you see all this going in the next five or six months? It's getting really real. And where I live in the state of Oregon, our governor just came out and said that she is going to make the mask mandate for outdoors and indoors permanent. Okay, that means like forever. And I feel like with that being said and no other state doing that, I'm kind of at ground zero as in terms of the United States and where I'm at, it's a very liberal Antifa ridden, you know, it's split right down the middle. I mean, it is duality. It's a dualistic polarized paradigm and it's unreal, but it, it, it is very uplifting and warming to see everything that's happening. For one, the people that are living in falsehood and fear, okay, they're living in fear they're not really that scary. I mean, they're afraid to get in their car. Can we really be afraid of them? They're double masking to drive to the grocery store. Okay, these are not something, this is not something we have to worry about. We need to not fight because that's what they want. They want us fighting and becoming and creating this civil war. Basically, they're trying to create a civil war when the stars are aligning for a spiritual revolution or a revolutionary war where there's a change of hands of who's in charge and what have you. What's happening where I live is while the new world order is kind of rearing its ugly head. We are building a new world for ourselves. There's places that I go, I go weeks without wearing a face mask. Sometimes I have to go to the bank and that gets a little fishy and stuff, but I, there is schools popping up. This is the best thing. This is the best thing, Richie. There are schools popping up that are a reaction and they are homeschooling pods of even 60 kids. We have a, one that is a rogue breakaway school of 60, 60 kids. All of them are interacting. None of them are getting sick. No one of them, none of them are ever going to get the jab. And they are being raised as revolutionaries, basically. They're being raised as this rising phoenix that we all need, these warriors. And they're being told, this is the real world we live in. No, the government is nonsense. Look at this. This is nonsense. This is real. And they're resonating with it. You know, so we are building our real world and the more that people have to leave their job and the more that the evil shows itself, the more that we're going to actually build civilizations that everyone can join. And when you're offered complete evil or utopia, which one are you going to join, you know, really? 
That's a great way to finish today, Matt. Matt, uh, to 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 look at Matt's clothing line, go to Sparrow or SpiroGear.com. That's S-P-E-R-O Gear.com. Check it out and check Matt out there. You'll also find Matt at Frankenskies.com. I'm looking forward to uh, the sequel, Matt, and, and also actual activists.com check out those websites as well you've got 25 seconds uh, to tell us when can we expect to see Frankenskies 2 Frankenskies 2 is going to be made when they try to lock us down and we buck the system and say no and that will be the final clip in my movie so I can't wait for that to happen so that I can have the most inspiring movie we've ever seen. Brilliant, Matt. Thanks for your time again today, my friend. Good to chat with you. And and great news, just to go back to where we came in, a Berkeley PhD uh, scientist and researcher has uh, published a paper with a colleague that says that, you know, she believes that there is uh, a connection between 5G exposure, well, radiation exposure and and, and COVID-19. So that was good. Thanks for giving us the heads up on that. And thanks for your thoughts today, my friend. Speak again real soon. And... Merry Christmas to you and yours. You too. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas and keep in touch. Thank you, Richie. Thanks, Matt. Matt Landman, live on the Richie Allen Show for Monday, the 6th of December. It is December 2021. Good to have him back on the programme. And again, I've just gone on to comment live and I've posted the link to the study and I've stuck it. I've fixed it to the top of the page. I will leave it there for a while and then I will unstick it. So go to richieallen.co.uk. It's comment live at the very top of the page on the menu bar there. The Richie Allen Show features doctors, scientists, academics and researchers who have been banned by the legacy media. Support Richie now by making a financial contribution at richieallen.co.uk. Are you a company based in the northwest of England who want to improve their profile via social media? Yes! Well, you could go out in the car park and film something on your phone, but it's not very good, is it? No! Sounds terrible, the picture's not that great. Yes! Try Ensign Films. We're a new video production company based in the heart of Manchester. We're really old, we've had loads of experience, and we can work within your budget. Don't go out in the car park with Debbie from Accounts. Seriously. Ensignfilms.co.uk Listening to the saviour of independent media, Richie Allen. Welcome back to the programme. I'm going to take a tune. When we come back, or when I come back, I will have some audio from the Sajid Javid press conference which took place. It began around 5.30. Yes. This is Charles Aznavour. I love this. I play what I like and I like what I bloody well plays. Charles Aznavour danced the old-fashioned way, or the old-fashioned way, on the Richie Allen Show, 24 minutes to the top of the hour, I know. Bridget has given me not quite belly laughs, nearly belly laughs. We call it corpsing in the trade, don't you know? We call it corpsing, although corpsing is more associated with acting than, than it is broadcasting. It's when you get a fit of the giggles on the air. It's only happened to me a couple of times. I interviewed a guy years ago. Uh, Should I say this? I think the guy might be dead. I won't name him anyway. But I interviewed this guy years ago. He was running for a a place on, for for a seat on Waterford County Council. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) And the guy had difficulty communicating effectively. 
he was from farming stock. Now, I happen to know some farmers. The farmers I know are very articulate and very intelligent. But this guy was a bit like one of those southern American horror movies like The Hills Have Eyes. This guy was so backwards. I don't know. I can't finish that sentence, so I'll just leave that one hanging in the air. Maybe you'll finish it for me. But his his voice, his accent, I know, I know, pot kettle. Listen, I've worked very hard on being understood on the radio with my outrageous Irish accent. But this chap, can I take him off? I used to be able to take him off, which means to imitate him. But he kind of spoke a bit like this, kind of the same, kind of the same, kind of. So I would say, I'm not going to name the bloke, I would say, um, so f- f- what are you open to achieve? Why Why are you in the race? Well, the kind of thing is, kind of the wife said to me, kind of, this is the way he genuinely spoke. And um, I, I don't know how I managed not to humiliate the chap more than he was humiliating himself by laughing at him on live radio. But I managed to keep right... It was a telephone interview. Thank God I wasn't interviewing him face to face. So I was I was doing what we call riding the fader. Now, you ride the fader, you ask a question. When I was chatting with Matt earlier, I would interject and say something to Matt. And then I would close my microphone by putting the fader down like this. You see, like that. So the fader goes down and I listen to Matt... So when I was interviewing this guy, I was riding the fader and I was belly laughing. And the news guy was in the new was in the booth in the studio in the glass booth, and he was falling around laughing, and I could see him laughing. And I was talking to this guy. Well, I hope they know to do this and those kinds of thing. I thought this can't be fucking real. I'm being wound up here. But the guy was genuine, God love him. Um and he done alright. I, I think he got his deposit back. I think he got his deposit back. He got enough votes to get his deposit back. But thankfully for every broadcaster in County Waterford, he didn't get elected. Thanks be to God. He might have been the greatest politician of all time, the chap. <laughs> but, but he couldn't speak very well. Anyway, why am I telling you that? I don't know. Bridget made me laugh. Bridget, she says, this is Bridget now on the website. It is said euthanasia clinics in Germany won't accept unvaccinated people. <laughs> oh, fantastic. I've decided I want to die of that enough. <clears throat> Are you jabbed? No. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Is that how it goes? <laughs> oh, God. I've got motor neuron disease. I can barely move. I've had enough. Yes, if you got your vaccine passport. I haven't had a jab. Get the fuck out of here. Who do you think you are? <laughs> oh, if it's true, Bridget. If it's true, let's phone up a vaccine. Yeah, let's phone up a euthanasia centre somewhere in in Germany or Switzerland and ask to be, well, to be murdered, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Good evening, Dignitas. Hi, it's Richie Allen here. I'm, I'm an Irish guy in Manchester. What's wrong? I want to be murdered. Okay, fill out this form. We'll get back to you within 28 days. Yeah. Angela says, you're an old-fashioned man, aren't you, Richie? That's our Angela Lambert. I am, Angela. I'm stuck in the past. I'm, do you know, why wouldn't you be stuck in the past in light of the things 
we see unfolding around us, just to say that again, you know. Fantastic, Bridget. That's giving me proper laughs. <gasps> euthanasia clinics in Germany won't accept unvaccinated people. Is euthanasia legal in Germany? Is it? It's legal in Switzerland. It's legal in the Netherlands. It might very well be legal. I should know this, but off the top of my head, I can't say. Dolores says we need to build an alternative society. Teachers, doctors and nurses should join. Homeschool, barter, grow veg, alternative coinage and so on, says Dolores. Sounds pretty reasonable to me, Dolores. Patricia, my friend in Zurich, speaking of Switzerland, says the unfortunate truth in the US is that not wearing masks has been attributed to the conservatives. God forbid that someone who calls themselves a liberal would not wear one. They are automatically called a trumper. That's an excellent observation by Patricia. It's happening here. It's happening in this country and people are allowing it to happen. A narrative has emerged that if you don't wear masks, if you're, if, if you're clever and you don't wear a mask, well, you must be some sort of Tory, some sort of conservative, some sort of heartless bastard. Well spotted, Patricia. They've managed to do that here as well. Hi to Pandora, who enjoyed listening to Matt there. JC says, no ray of light, Richie. This must follow its course. Sad but true, says JC. JC, keep your spirits up as long as we have each other, between five and seven. That's that's the way. It's funny I get these emails from people. Oh, Richie, sometimes I can't wait to get to five o'clock. Listen, listen, that's the same here. Now, I'm blessed. The oft-mentioned future missus is working from home and, 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 and I love her and she's there and we can have the cuddle and a chat and all that, which is fine, but she's working. It's an oasis for me <laughs> to chat about this, let off a bit of steam. Richard Kelly said something online on, on our website, richieallen.co.uk, that has made me wonder. Richard, send us a link, if you, if you don't mind. I'll look for one later on anyway. Speaking of the metaverse, Facebook's utopia, Facebook's virtual utopia, where you plug in, you, you, you wear a suit, like in Ready Player One, you wear a helmet, and you go into this wonderful utopian world. Richard says, apparently people are buying real estate in the metaverse. Give over, Richard. But then I wouldn't imagine you'd be telling me Porky, so maybe that's true. Speaking of Angela, she says, I think there are people who will welcome this world and uh, then those of us will want to live naturally. You see, Angela, I hope you are right. I don't know that you are wrong. I, I do not know that you are wrong. I hope you are right. I would settle for that now. But I'm suspicious that they won't allow it. Listen, you have your crazy vaccine, passport, social credit world where people are slaves. If you like, the rest of us will live in our little communes. Love the idea, Angela. But something tells me they won't allow it. You know? Mr. Sin says the metaverse is and always was inevitable. People would take to it like a fish to water. Yeah, I think so too, you know. Gaz says check out the movie Early Warning. It was a 1981 film. Thank you, Gaz, for the heads up. The metaverse. Now, I don't want to, to spend any time in the metaverse, but I would like to see how far 
the, the virtual reality thing has come since I had a look at it back in 2017 or thereabouts. <clears throat> Excuse me, a friend of mine came into town with me into Manchester. We went to the Samsung store and I felt like a bit of an idiot because I'm genuinely not interested in this stuff. But I wanted to have a look at it. You know, how advanced is it? And I suppose 2016 or whatever, 2017 it might have been. Yeah, it was fairly impressive, all right. You know, I put the thing on me and a lead came from the thing, from the headset. It wasn't a headset, actually. It was just goggles, basically. And a lead came from that and it went into my phone. My phone was actually placed into... Ah, yes, it was goggles. My phone was inserted into the goggles on the side. That's how it worked. That's how it worked. No, I'm telling you porkies. My phone, the screen side of my phone, was pressed against the lenses of the goggles. That's the one. I remembered. Yes. And I had to download an app to my phone. Then I inserted my phone into the goggles with the screen pointed at the lenses, right? And then I was in. And I could go and do different things. One of the things I could do was I could sit in a beautiful, beautifully furnished, olden, olden days cinema with all the velvet and the velvet curtains and the balcony. And I could watch a film there. If I had downloaded a film to my phone, I could put the headset on and look around and I was in a cinema. An old-fashioned cinema. And like I said, there was another game where I was in the woods and I would look to the right of me and there was a Tyrannosaurus Rex. And I would look over to the left and there was a Triceratops, which is bullshit because the T-Rex would chase the Triceratops, or maybe not. Triceratops is pretty big, right? With the tusks. The horns and stuff, I don't know. I must watch Jurassic Park again. Very good. Sandra Bullock also starred in The Net, says Pandora, in which the digital prison system was able to switch you off so you could not function in society at all. That is CBDC and social credit and what is coming under a 5G surveillance network. Yes, Sandra Bullock has been in some interesting films which which gave us a glimpse at the way things might turn out. Demolition Man is just excellent. That's insider knowledge, isn't it, Demolition Man? Or is it just me? It's insider knowledge, isn't it? Stallone's, it's an excellent film. Wesley Snipes is brilliant in it. Stallone is a cop, isn't he? And he allegedly made a mistake that caused the deaths of people, civilians, so his punishment is that he's frozen cryogenically. And years and years and years later, in the future, they saw Stallone out because Wesley Snipes, who was previously caught by Stallone, he's managed to thaw himself out and he's now running rampant in the future. He's a criminal. And it's a horrible dystopian world where everybody self-censors. Everybody walks around on eggshells. Nobody expresses an opinion. If you say anything wrong... A, a voice will be heard around you because there are speakers everywhere fining you credits for being in violation of some rule or other. It's dreadful. As Matt said, sex is right out because it's considered dirty. And to have sex with somebody, you put a headset on and you sit six feet away from them. Jesus, six feet. There it is again, you know. 
This is where we're going. It's where we're going. Thanks for all the messages today. There were hundreds of them. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, last week was a bad week because this this stuff got on top of me. I'm looking around and I'm seeing these things happening. Like this afternoon, for example, not to depress you, but look, it's the news. We have to talk about it. The Health Secretary, Sajid Javid, spoke not at Downing Street, as I might have said earlier. I was an idiot. He spoke from Westminster. He updated the house on the dreaded Omicron COVID variant, which uh, will probably result in even harsher restrictions being announced by governments in the coming weeks. Here he is, Javid. The Omicron variant is continuing to spread here and around the world. According to the latest data, there are now 261 confirmed cases in England, 71 in Scotland and four in Wales, bringing the total number of confirmed cases across the UK to 336. This includes cases with no links to international travel. So we can conclude that there is now community transmission across multiple regions of England. Beyond our shores, confirmed Omicron cases have now been reported in 52 countries, with 11 countries that include Romania, Mexico and Chile all reporting their first cases this weekend. He's a proper little scumbag, isn't he, Javid? Even the people who discovered the Omicron thing, if it exists, and I don't necessarily believe it, but what do I know? The people who discovered it says that there's nothing wrong with it. Nothing. Nothing to be getting your knickers in a twist about. And amazingly enough, Anthony Fauci, speaking of scumbags, he's the US president's advisor uh, on medical matters, Anthony Fauci, proper scumbag. I believe that Robert F. Kennedy Jr., has written a, a book, very interesting book, where he, he reveals some very interesting things about the life and times of Anthony Fauci, who is an absolute scumbag and a criminal. But even Fauci is saying that there's not a great degree of severity to Omicron. Let me quote him. He's been speaking to CNN. He said, thus far, it doesn't look like there's a great degree of severity to it. But we've got to be careful before we make any determinations that it is less severe or that it really doesn't cause any severe illness comparable to Delta. Yes, yes. But they're going to ramp this up in the coming weeks. And uh, days and weeks are going to ramp it up. They're also going to continue to tell a massive lie. And that is, and I mentioned this on Sunday Morning Melodies yesterday, that is that the unjabbed are taking up thousands and thousands of beds in hospitals. Would you believe I mentioned this on the programme yesterday Yesterday morning? The Sunday Times front page was about doctors and nurses basically saying that they were fed up at the fact that they couldn't treat deserving patients with other problems. Deserving patients who did their duty and had their jabs. Doctors were whinging. We can't treat the deserving patients because we're having to focus our time on serious, seriously ill COVID patients, people who decided not to have a jab. This is dangerous bollocks now, this is. But you're going to hear more and more of this. What you won't hear on the broadcast media today, even though the Telegraph led with it today, there are 10,000 seniors currently ready to be discharged from UK hospitals dear listener, but they can't be discharged quite 
yet because of a lack of available care workers to come and care for them in their homes. Now, if you listen to this programme regularly, you will have heard nurses and care workers warning me and you that this was inevitable. Bed blocking. Don't blame the wonderful seniors. Not their fault. Bed blocking. Javid made the the job mandatory for social care workers. Before that, miserable pay and conditions meant that social care workers were leaving the profession anyway. Perfect storm. And care workers and nurses came on this programme and said, we're going to have a situation in the winter where there won't be enough beds in hospitals for people that are unwell because they will be occupied by people who could go home, but they can't go home. And the nurses and social care workers who came on this programme said this will erroneously be blamed on COVID and used as an excuse for more lockdowns. And that's what's going to happen. It is, it, it is as inevitable as the fact that I'm going to watch Succession with Brian Cox later on tonight with a wee dram. It's inevitable this. It's inevitable. I keep saying it. Back in 1989, there were twice as many hospital beds in the UK as there are now. This is madness. This is tantamount to insanity. Over a 30-year period, this, the country, uh, the population of the country grows by millions. And you reduce bed capacity. Anything will cause a, a crisis in the NHS any given winter. Anything, any outbreak of anything. Vomiting and diarrhoea outbreak will cause chaos in the NHS because there's not enough beds for the population to begin with. Now we have seniors, God love them, ready to go home, no care workers, got to stay in hospital. That's a staggering number, 10,000 people. 10,000 men and women who belong at home in front of the fire with a care worker popping in a couple of times a day to make sure they're okay. But they can't go home. Because Javid and his predecessor Hancock and before that Jeremy Hunt and before that go on and on and on and on and on. Andy Burnham, was he? Was he health secretary, was he? Under Gordon Brown, was he Andy Burnham? I might be wrong. Every single health secretary and every single government systematically destroyed the NHS. It's not fit for purpose. That's the truth of it. The lie is, is that COVID is overwhelming it. We need to lock down. And we need to put excruciating pressure on the unjabbed. That's the next step of this agenda. We have to be ready for that. To combat it. And to gently remind people. Gently. And with love. And with, with a bit of decency. Remind people of the facts that you've just heard there. Listen. Listen. If there was a bit of... If there was a herpes epidemic going around. It would, it would collapse the NHS. Flu would collapse the NHS because of the bed shortage, because of doctors and nurses leaving the NHS, because of mismanagement, no lack of funding, mismanagement deliberately uh, designed to break it so that it could be privatised. That's what people need to hear. Thanks very much to Matt Landman for coming on the programme again today. Thank you uh, to him. That's uh, Monday's Richie Allen radio show. You and I will meet again tomorrow at 5 o'clock UK time. Now this week, strange old week for me, I've got some personal business on Wednesday which will take me out 
of the city. So I won't be with you on Wednesday. I'm giving you a heads up now. I'm with you today, tomorrow and Thursday, but not Wednesday because I've got some personal business uh, to attend to out of town, which can't be helped, uh, sadly. But that's the way it goes. Giving you the heads up right now. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your Monday. Thanks again to Matt Landman. Do check him out at uh, actualactivists.com, frankenskies.com and um, sparrowgear.com as well. It's bye from me. Bye now. (laughs) 